The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Why do we do it? Why do we watch these things, right? If it's not Chewbacca Mom, we're watching some video uh, about cats being afraid of cucumbers and running away. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, we just keep watching these crazy videos, getting a laugh from them. And, And you know what I think? I think sometimes we're just looking for an escape, an escape from the craziness of life, from the insanity of what we face in our everyday life, the spinning wheel of emotion that we call life. Uh, I don't know about you, but my life, I can definitely identify with this whole theme of spin and the idea that our life is one spin of emotion after the other. And uh, we watch these videos because all we want is a laugh, right? We want one moment where that wheel stops on happiness for just a brief moment, right? Because uh, all too often our life is so serious and crazy. Um, But if your life is anything like mine, you know exactly what it means to have that wheel of emotion spinning around and around and around, always trying to stop it on happiness, but even when it stops, it seems like there's another spin right behind it. Typical week for me in the summertime, uh, many of you can probably relate to this, I get up Monday morning and uh, I'm miserable and I'm grumpy. It's Monday, right? Monday morning, so uh, you know, sad, right? Then I, uh, I, then I get my first cup of coffee. Happy. Yes, very much so. That's why you guys are all laughing. You've already had your cup of coffee out in the lobby. Uh, so, you know, then I, I take a look at all the things that gotta get done this week, all the jobs, all the things that I'm facing, and I get a little stressed out, sad again, right? So I get to work on a project sometime during the week, trying to, starting to actually see something around the house get done, getting one of those projects finished, and, and I get happy. That is until I realize I don't have all the tools to finish the job, and I'm sad again, right? I'm sad, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, and I'm sad. But then I go to Lowe's, and I buy myself a new power tool. Happy! Nothing makes a guy happy like a new power tool until I break the power tool. Sad again. You know, it's no wonder that by the end of the week, after all the craziness and, and stuff, uh, all I want to do when the week is finally over, I'm just looking for my ultimate happy place. My ultimate happy place, Sunday morning at Lifehouse with a mug of coffee and a bowl of Cheez-Its. That is ecstasy, right? That is euphoria. <laughs> Quite honestly, I'm not sure how you guys do it here at Wilson Boulevard without the cup holders. I have one for my coffee and one for my bowl of Cheez-Its too, so uh, you need to figure out how to install those in the pews, I think. Uh, Never mind, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Uh, But uh, I will tell you, I'm usually over at the cinemas, uh, but my wheel of emotion, uh, it stopped on excited this morning because I got to come over here and join you guys at Wilson Boulevard. So I'm super excited to be here. I'm also super excited to give a big shout out uh, to another group of people joining us, joining us on live on our live stream broadcast. I want to say thank you for joining us. Give him a big hand. We're excited to have you with us here this morning. Thank you for uh, turning Chewbacca Mom off long enough to come and join us at Lifehouse Online. So 
Uh, I'm super excited, but this is, you know, we do, we spend our life in this crazy uh, desire to get that wheel to stop on happiness. And, but, and even if it's just for a moment, right? Aristotle, the Greek philosopher and scientist, once said this about happiness. He said that happiness is the meaning of life, the purpose of life, the whole end or the whole aim and end of human existence. What Aristotle is describing is why we keep spinning the wheel. We keep spinning it just hoping it might land briefly on happiness. That pursuit of happiness, that desire to go after happiness, it's what it's all about, right? Life, I mean, it is the American dream. Thomas Jefferson, when he wrote our Declaration of Independence 240 years ago, already understood that about America when he wrote into there that we all have certain rights, and among those rights are life, liberty, and happiness. Well, not exactly. Some of you history buffs are about to fall out of your seat because I just misquoted the Declaration of Independence. What Thomas Jefferson wrote was that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What Thomas Jefferson already understood about the nation that was now one minute old when it was signed was that happiness is always a pursuit but never a permanent destination. You see, every time that wheel stops on happiness, it stays there only until the wheel spins again. Something else happens in life, and you've been there. You've been in those moments where you got to a happy moment only to have something come along two minutes later and steal your happiness away from you, the wheel spinning all over again. And so, what happens is it's like crawling through the desert. We see the oasis ahead of us, and it's the happy place. It's the what we're striving for, but when we get there, we discover it's nothing but a mirage. And so this ongoing, never satisfying pursuit of happiness actually steals the very joy we're trying to achieve. And so we're left just wondering, is there any way off this crazy, tilt-a-whirl, spinning wheel of emotion we call life. Well, the Bible records the story of a man whose life was very much like ours. It was just a constant spin, happiness, sadness, ups and downs throughout his life. He had some, some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. The man's name was David. He had a really cool name, don't you think? I think so. Some of you don't know my name, do you? Anyway, uh, King David, he was king of Israel. And, uh, but during his life, he had many highs of happiness and lows of sadness. For example, starting as a young man, his brothers left him behind when they went to war because they said, David, you're skinny, you're weak, you're useless to us in battling the enemy. Sad. So David arrives. He was good enough only to bring their lunch to them. But then... He ends up walking out on that field fighting Goliath and winning the greatest military victory in the history of his nation. Happy, right? And so these cycles continued for David, right? Later on, uh, David is anointed the king of Israel, the next king of Israel. Happy moment, except guess what happened because of it? 
The current king decides he's jealous and he's going to hunt David down to kill him like a dog. Sad. David goes on with his life and becomes the greatest king of Israel, happy, only to have his very own son, Absalom, rebel against him and die in the rebellion. And bam, that happiness is gone again. King David uh, was declared a man after God's own heart, happy. But guess what follows? David commits adultery and he murders to cover up his adultery and in the process loses another child. Sad. And so it went. Even at the end of David's life, David, once again at the end of his life, disobeyed God. And in disobeying God, he brought a great plague upon the nation of Israel and upon his kingdom, and many people died in this plague. So David purchased the threshing floor of Ornon and built an altar in that spot and made a sacrifice to God and begged God to have mercy, not on him, but on the people of Israel, the innocent ones who were dying from the plague. And God, seeing David, uh, he relented and had mercy on the people of Israel. And you'd think maybe that's a happy moment for David, but, but David's circumstances of life still weren't that great. He still had to face his kingdom knowing that he was the cause of this plague and admitting that to his people. Also, because of his disobedience, David was uh, forbidden by God to build the temple. See, the temple, the permanent temple of God was to be built on that site of the threshing floor where David had built the altar, and David was forbidden to actually build it. So David did the next best thing. He made all the preparations he possibly could for his son Solomon to one day build that permanent temple of God. And in making those preparations, David wrote a song. He wrote a song that was to be sung at the dedication of the temple. And in this song, we're going to get some insight into David's heart in the midst of these horrible circumstances and crazy spinning wheel of life. And that song is recorded in the Bible as the 30th Psalm. So I'm going to read this morning from Psalm 30, verse 4 and 5, and then skip down to verse 11 and 12. Here's what it says. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Skipping down to verses 11 and 12 says, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. David's life was a mess. David had no reason on this earth to be happy. And yet he appears happy. He looks happy in the midst of these awful events. What David had isn't happiness the way you and I know it on this earth. It isn't earthly human happiness driven by the circumstances, driven by getting an outcome out of life that we desire uh, so that we can be happy for a moment. And so what is it? Is David faking it all? Or is it that there's something deeper 
than human emotion going on here? Could it be that God has something beyond human emotion for you and I that looks like happiness, but isn't dependent on the circumstances that happen around us in this world? Galatians 5, and 23 opens our, opens our hearts to this idea that there is something deeper than human emotion. And it lists the, this, these things that are deeper than the human emotion. And so I want to read from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 this morning. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I didn't actually memorize that for today. I actually, I, I didn't say this last night, but I, I learned a, a really stupid little thing when I was like in VBS at like seven years old. Long John the peaceful pirate keeps guard for gentle Sir Charles. And it, it makes, it, I know every word makes a word from the list of the fruit of the spirit. And that's actually how I remember it. None of you care, Never mind. I'm going back, going back to my message, back to my notes. Should have stuck with them in the first place. Hey, listen, we see it there on the list. Number two, joy. We recognize joy as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, too often the world wants to equate joy and happiness as the same thing because they don't understand the difference. But happiness, happiness is simply the temporary emotional response that we feel when life gives us what we were hoping for. When life gives us something good, throws us a bone, we feel happiness temporarily as the response until life takes the bone away, right? Or until the wheel is spun again. But joy, joy is a God-given inner happiness that's unaffected by the circumstances of this life, that is unaffected by the world around us. When we are full of joy, it's there even when life says it shouldn't be. It was joy that David had deep in his heart, and it's joy that God wants to fill your life with and my life with this morning. And that's kind of the big idea of this whole message this morning, to be joyful, to live full of joy. Be joyful. All right, so that sounds great, right? But we have one big, big problem. We're human. And our big problem is this. We don't control our emotions. We don't know how to control how we have this big stumbling block. Uh, we can't simply tell ourselves, self, be joyful all the time. Okay? We react. We spin the wheel of emotion because we are driven by a sinful nature, by a human nature, a sinful human nature that controls our emotions. We don't think through how we feel about things. We just react. But here's the problem when our life is rooted in sinful nature and the sinful nature controls our emotions, our reactions to those emotions become sinful reactions. And then what happens is those sinful actions that we take, it, it cycles back around. It strengthens the sinful nature. And then the sinful nature causes, controls our emotions even stronger. And then those emotions create, those emotions create even more sinful actions, which strengthens the sinful nature more. And this big, horrible, ugly cycle of sin grips our life. And sin keeps spinning this wheel until it leads to our destruction, our death, 
our eternal judgment and suffering. Instead of producing inner happiness, our human nature causes us to carry inner despair in our life. And then, like all great stories in the Bible, come the two most beautiful words I've ever heard. But God, seeing us in this unending cycle of sin, this inability for us to stop the spinning wheel of life, God saw us in this, in this destructive pattern, and he came to this earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus came here to break that cycle of sin. And when he lived the perfect life and then sacrificed himself, he defeated death, freeing us from an eternity of suffering by paying our debt and taking our death sentence on himself. And now, through his death, we are forgiven by faith. And through his resurrection, we are given new life. When we repent and accept God's forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, now God comes into our life in the form of the Holy Spirit, and he enters in, and when the Holy Spirit enters in, it begins to push out and eradicate that sinful nature out of our heart and out of our life, and in doing so, the Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves, and the Holy Spirit becomes the planting ground in our heart. Now, instead of sinful nature, Instead of roots growing in our sinful nature and producing sinful fruit, the Holy Spirit is our planting ground. And the roots of our life get planted in the Holy Spirit. And it produces, instead of the human emotional reactions, it produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life. When we are willing to yield ourselves, and now the hopeless pursuit of happiness, the never-ending, never-satisfying pursuit of happiness, it's replaced with joy that remains no matter what life throws at us. And the Apostle Paul knows a thing or two about having some bad stuff thrown at him in life. Late in life, he was thrown into prison, and while he was in prison, he wrote a, a letter uh, to the, to the uh, church in Philippi. Uh, now, for our young people, you may not know what a letter is anymore. It's kind of like an email, but you use pencil and paper. I see you, Keyshawn. Yes, <laughs> you use pencil and paper to write it out. You know, it's kind of it's like print, writing an email and then printing it out uh, on paper. Um, but uh, so, hey, I laugh. Look at me. I've got my iPad. So, you know, <laughs> you, know, I'm you know, I'm attached to my phone most of the time, too, so what can I say about uh, anyone else? Uh, but he wrote this letter, and by Paul's standards, the, the book of Philippians in the Bible, this letter to the church of Philippi, is fairly short by Paul's standard. And uh, in the last chapter, in the fourth chapter, Paul wrote a few short but very powerful words that would speak to us today about having joy, being joyful in this world. Philippians 4, verse 4 says this. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul said it, in case you didn't hear him the first time, he wanted to say, I will say it again, rejoice. 16 times, 16 times in this short letter, Paul uses the word joy. Paul was imprisoned unfairly. 
He had a lot of crud being thrown at him in life at this moment. But somehow, in the midst of the crud, in the midst of the unfair circumstances, Paul was living out a joyful life, unaffected by the, the horrible, lousy circumstances and situations that were around him. And in so doing, Paul is trying to pass along to you and I one of the keys that will open a door, that will allow us to exit this, this idea of pursuing happiness but never quite achieving it. Or even if we do get it, having it yanked out from underneath us. It allows us to exit th this pursuit of happiness and enter in to the final destination of the joy of the Lord and having a joyful life. And this is what Paul would say to us, you wanna be joyful? Rejoice always, celebrate always. To be joyful, celebrate always. He was, wanted to make sure you heard it, and again, he said it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Now recently, my family and I decided to celebrate Father's Day uh, at Cedar Point. Now, Cedar Point is an amusement park in Sandusky, Ohio, that is basically known as the roller coaster mecca of the world, okay? I love roller coasters, all right? So this is like the, 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 uh, the capital of all roller coasters in the universe. So I, I go to this place, and you might wonder why we would go on Father's Day. Well, we received a tip from some people that lived in Sandusky several years ago that Father's Day is the most empty day of the year at the park. And we found it's true. Now, if any of you have ever been to Cedar Point, you'll know that they have the best, the fastest, the tallest, the, the longest, the greatest roller coasters, the most roller coasters of any park in the world, right? So some of you are going, this sounds like torture. Others of you are like, you know, where is that again? I'm leaving right now. Right, so, uh, but all these things, and, uh, and so uh, we discovered that it was true. Now, normally, you could stay there all 12 hours from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and, and you'd be lucky to get in seven or eight roller coaster rides because you will often spend an hour to two hours waiting for each roller coaster ride. But on Father's Day, I was there for 10 minutes. I'd already ridden my favorite roller coaster twice because there was no line. And then the lines, they're like five minutes long, 10 minutes long. I think we waited about 20 minutes for the longest line to get on a roller coaster that day. Uh, but here's a little math that I learned from my trip to Cedar Point. I'm a math teacher, as some of you know. Um, and so I always try and work some math into my messages. And here's what I learned at Cedar Point. No lines equals lots and lots of rides on roller coasters equals an early end to the day. Here's why. By three o'clock, we were done. We had ridden twice as many roller coasters in five hours than we would normally ride in a whole 12-hour day at Cedar Point. We were constantly roller coaster after roller coaster after roller coaster after roller coaster after roller coaster, but here's what happens. If you ride roller coasters long enough, what I learned is eventually you find yourself tired, worn out, and weak. And I was like with my kids, I was trying to be good dad, you know, like, so do you guys want to ride anything else? And inside I'm going, please say no, please say no. I want to leave. I'm tired. How do we celebrate always? 
Well, it begins with the realization that this roller coaster ride of life, this up and down from happiness to sadness, the pursuit of happiness that is a roller coaster ride, eventually it's going to leave us tired, depressed, and hopelessly disappointed. Being a, no one welcomes tough times like Paul experienced. We will resist and avoid and try and, and, and uh, get away from the chains any way we can. But here's the deal. Paul wasn't saying rejoice in the Lord always. He wasn't trying to tell us to rejoice when things are good. Paul knows we're not stupid. He doesn't have to tell us to rejoice when things are good. His point in rejoice in the Lord always was not to just rejoice when things are good but to rejoice at all times, whether things are good or things are bad. And so there's Paul. Now, your, your chains and my chains, those are the times of struggle, pain, conflict, brokenheartedness, and trials that we face in this life. But it is only by celebrating during those times of hardship, through the times of challenge, that we will discover the unshakable strength of the joy of God. So how does celebrating always, how does celebrate, which means celebrating during trials, how does celebrating during tough times actually accomplish this idea of revealing the strength of God's joy? Well, first, uh, suffering, it, it strips us of every external reason to celebrate. It takes away all the, you know, during suffering, we have no good, nothing good to, to cause us to celebrate. And so what it does is in those moments when we are devoid of any real reason humanly to celebrate, and yet we discover that there is still this inner happiness, this joy growing in our heart through the fruit of the Spirit, it is then that we realize the strength of God in our life. Trials are the opportunities for God to show up and show off the strength of his joy in your life. Secondly, the joy of the Lord, only in suffering, only in celebrating during suffering, does the joy of the Lord in your life become a powerful witness tool to the world around you. Because here's the deal. No one is impressed that you can celebrate when things are good. You know, you win your baseball game or your softball game or you get a job promotion or you, you get an award at work or at school or whatever. And nobody's impressed that you can celebrate when something good happens. The people, the, the people who are hurting out there, people who are struggling, even they can celebrate when things are good. But when they see in you a strength that allows you to celebrate and rejoice even when the world, the circumstances of this life say you shouldn't be celebrating, it is then that you become a powerful witness tool for Jesus Christ. It's then that the joy that is growing inside you begins to make a difference in the world around you because people begin to see that you have something they need. They look at you and say, that makes no sense. They shouldn't be celebrating. And so you become this great witness tool and the joy of the Lord can make a difference in people's lives and so we celebrate always Paul is saying rejoice always celebrate always because it's then you will discover God's strength in your life 
And it's then that you will become a witness tool for Jesus Christ. You want to make an impact in the world around you. Celebrate always, and you'll find the strength of your joyful life. Today, we're also going to, re- we're also going to see there's a second key to moving away from the pursuit of happiness into the final destination of a joyful life, and that is this. To be joyful, look ahead. Look ahead. Not around you, not behind you. Look ahead. David, David was joyful because he, he was looking ahead. Here's what he was looking ahead to. He was looking ahead to the building of the permanent temple Why was that so important to David? Because to David, the temple at that point represented God living amongst the people. And the hope that he had, that one day God would be able to live amongst the people, brought joy into David's life. He was looking ahead to a hope that God would one day live amongst the people, and that hope caused joy. Here's the cool thing, though. You and I, We're not looking ahead just to a hope. You see, we don't have a hope of God one day living amongst his people. Now, because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we're looking ahead to the absolute knowledge that God is already living among his people, that God is living in our hearts in the form of the Holy Spirit. And when we look ahead, we are looking ahead to a future in heaven that is secure and is 100% secure and ahead for us. And so, and so we can always, even in the tough times, if we keep our eyes ahead on the future, we can recognize and realize today that our future is secure and have joy in our hearts in spite of what's going around. I want to go back and reread one of the verses that David penned in that song, the dedication of the temple. I'm going to reread Psalm 30 verse 5 this morning, and uh, this is what it said. It said, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime, and here it comes. Here's the big key. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Our celebration, it's not rooted in the stuff of earth. It's not rooted in the moments or what's happening around us in the circumstances. It's rooted in where our eyes are looking. It's rooted in our perspective in life. We can be joyful. We can celebrate because we understand our life is not just 80 years long on this earth. Our life is an eternity long. And when we have Jesus Christ in it, our future is a future of an eternity of joy. We no longer wander aimlessly pursuing happiness, but instead we have now arrived when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. We have arrived at our final destination place of the joy of the Lord. To those without Christ, trying to make it through this world without Christ, happiness is momentary and fleeting, if ever achieved at all. You and I, if we have Christ in our life, if you have Christ in your life, it's the trials and pains of this world that are simply fleeting and momentary because we know that God always wins in the end. That has already been done. Yeah, the battle is still raging, but the war is over, folks. Jesus accomplished it on the cross. 
the work is done. And this is not just some pie in the sky cliche that I'm handing you this morning. We can still rejoice in spite of our circumstances because we know that no matter what is going on right now, rejoicing is coming in the morning. It is not easy to face heartbreak in this life, to lose a loved one or face other heartbreaking moments. But can I tell you this morning, David said that weeping only lasts for a moment because you can still celebrate in the midst of heartbreak because rejoicing is coming in the morning. It's not easy to go through financial crisis in your life, but Jesus said not to worry about the material things of this world. He said, don't worry about because I will take care of you. And he said, you can still celebrate in the midst of financial crisis because rejoicing comes in the morning. He also said, and, and, and it's not easy to go through uh, fighting addictions in this life or fighting health problems in this life. But the Bible says in the book of Philippians, it teaches us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Isaiah says that by his stripes, we are healed. And so it doesn't matter what's going on around us. No matter what the struggle is you face, no matter what the fight is in your life today, I want you to know you can still celebrate, not because we're just putting on, we're faking it, but you can still celebrate because rejoicing is coming in the morning. Our God is on the job and rejoicing is coming in the morning. Happiness is just a pursuit and it's just a reaction to what happens to us. But joy, the joy of the Lord is ever present. We're going to pray in just a moment. And here's, I'm gonna ask you to respond to this message first. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, if you're here and you've never had a relationship with Christ, your first response, your first step in this whole being joyful life is to simply let God know that you are ready for him to come into your life. You, you want him in your life. It, your words don't matter. God's not impressed with fancy language. So when we pause to pray, I just want you in your own heart, in your own way to let God know, God, I need you in my life. For those of you who are followers of Christ today, but you still find yourself battling the spinning wheel of emotion. You still find yourself gaining your happiness, your moments of happiness from the circumstances around you. And what you desire today is to get off the roller coaster and to, and to have joy deep down rooted in your heart. You're gonna respond simply by saying, God, I am ready. Would you take me off the roller coaster would you give me joy in my life and in my heart? The rest of us, we're just gonna pray for those who may be praying that prayer. So let's take a moment, let's bow our heads, close our eyes and just take a moment and pray to God right now. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.